If you care about future deficits, and you have to care about these future deficits, you need to care about economic growth today. Because if not, if we don't have growth, our future deficits will be higher. Every day you live a life so full of hope. Shouldn't drag your soul around you like a leather rope. Hello and welcome to NPR's Planet Money. I'm Adam Davidson. And I'm Hannah Jaffe-Walt. Today is Friday, February 26th, and that was Treasury Secretary Timothy Geithner, you heard at the top of the podcast, defending stimulus spending on Capitol Hill this afternoon. On the show today, Adam, we follow some very charming people to Las Vegas, hoping to make big bucks, not on slot machines, on T-shirts. That's in a minute, but first, Hannah... The Planet Money Indicator. That wasn't a very vigorous paper shaking there. It is a very exciting indicator, despite the non-vigorous paper shaking, 5.9%. We got some reasonably good news today. The Commerce Department said that they underestimated how fast the U.S. economy grew at the end of 2009. Turns out it actually grew at an annualized rate of 5.9%, not the originally reported 5.7%. 5.9, that's a pretty fast-growing few months, but economists don't expect to see that kind of growth this year in 2010. But we can still celebrate somewhat because part of the reason for that fast growth was that U.S. companies were exporting more, were sending more U.S. goods abroad. So, Hannah, on to today's topic. We are going to get to Las Vegas in a minute, but I think we should start in Haiti, where we heard about something happening in Vegas. So in Haiti, we were there, obviously, uh, uh, shortly after the earthquake, and we spent a lot of time with folks in the textile industry. And that's because that is the big industry in Haiti. It represents something like 90 percent of Haiti's exports. And everyone in the industry was scrambling to rebuild and that was the main focus. But there's a lot of talk about this other thing, something called the Vegas magic show. <laughs> right. It's weird. I mean, we kept going to all these meetings with these Haitian textile guys. And every time they'd start talking about how they're going to the magic show in Las Vegas, how the magic show, you know, is going to change Haiti's economic destiny. And after the earthquake, it's more important than ever that Haiti have a presence at the magic show. We just have to be there. So I'm picturing smoke and rabbits and somehow Celine Dion, and I couldn't figure out why is everyone talking about the Las Vegas magic show? Right. So it turns out magic actually has nothing to do with magic. Magic stands for Men's Apparel Group in California. It's a trade show that happens every year, not in California anymore. Now it happens in Las Vegas. And it is just that. It's just a trade show. It's for people who make T-shirts and people who sell T-shirts and a lot of other clothes. It's an apparel show. It is the apparel show. It is the big, big show for the apparel and textile business in the U.S., which, again, is the only fast-growing business in Haiti, and Haitians want it to grow even faster. They have a plan to quintuple the Haitian apparel business to get as many as 150,000 people working. They want to make sure people in the U.S. apparel and textile business know, hey, this earthquake is not slowing us down. In fact, it's just going to speed us up. These Haitian apparel business people hope that with all the coverage of the earthquake, all the outpouring of sympathy, that they'll be the center of attention, that everybody in the apparel business will want in on the Made in Haiti label. And I got to say, like, I was so focused on Haiti that when I went 
to the magic show, when I flew to Vegas, I pictured that the whole place would be covered in Haitian flags and Haitian music, and all anyone would be talking about is Haiti, Haiti, Haiti. Right. You've been sort of engrossed in Haiti, but I'm guessing that's not what you saw in Las Vegas. No, not at all. I mean, I, I think at the show, the appearance of any particular country is roughly equal to their importance in the global textile and apparel business. So I walk into this massive convention center and right away, I, I don't see anything about Haiti, but I do see this big Bangladesh sign over the rather large Bangladesh pavilion. And then a few stalls away, there's a smaller Peru sign. And then there's the Egypt pavilion, which has this like big pyramid made out of some kind of fabric. <laughs> In China, I assume China has like parades and free stuff everywhere. You know, it actually did have a parade. Like right <laughs> as I was walking in, there's this like loud banging and I turn and there's one of those giant like Chinese New Year dragons that's <laughs> walking through the center of the show and people banging drums and singing. And um, But the truth is China is such a big part of the textile and apparel business that it's basically the whole show is a China pavilion. There's no one dedicated China pavilion like because Chinese companies make up like half the show. And um, so each of these booths, whether it's China or Bangladesh or whatever, is pretty flashy. People are showing off all their colorful clothes that they can make. And what everyone's trying to do is grab the attention of a handful of buyers for big companies. So like the Gap, Hanes, they're all walking yeah, around. Yeah, so and those would say... be brands, but there's also retailers like Walmart and Target. And, you know, there's people walking through the, through the show who can make decisions that will mean millions or billions of dollars. So everyone's saying, look at me, look at me, buy your clothes for me, buy your clothes for me. I can make the best clothes for you. Except I'd say the one group that's doing that, maybe the least loud, has got to be the Haitians. Because uh, the first time I walked by, I, I didn't even see the Haitian booth. Aww. And yeah, and, and I did find it. And it's it's not really a booth. It's, it's a table in someone else's booth with a little sign that says Rebuild Haiti. And I went up. There's a small group of Haitian manufacturers, some of the folks you met in, in Port-au-Prince and, um, and someone we hadn't met, which is Gina Coles. She's a Haitian who spent part of her childhood in the U.S. And she runs Astralis, which is a Haitian garment business. We chatted a bit, and then I felt like I had to address the obvious. I'm thrilled to see Haiti here, but it's, um, it, it, it's, it's basic. Yes, it's it's basic, and it, it well for this project it was very last minute. We didn't we didn't plan on a presence here this year, and what what really happened is this is more of a, a push to rebuild Haiti after the earthquake to show people that we're back in business that that we're you know not curled up crying that we're trying to get up get people moving get people working and and that was the point of this. But it was done very last minute, and that's why it looks basic. It's we just didn't have time. I hope people come by. We'll see. Turns out the first person to come by is probably the most important guy in the whole building. It's Ron Kirk, U.S. Trade Representative. And you probably don't get too nervous when you hear the name Ron Kirk, U.S. Trade Representative. But these Haitians, it was kind of amazing because you, I mean, you've met these guys. They tend to be pretty savvy, pretty cool. They were really nervous. <laughs> right. I guess because Ron Kirk is like, to them, I mean, their entire business strategy is built on getting really good trade deals with the U.S. Which is Ron Kirk's job. He is in charge of trade deals. So everyone hears that Ron Kirk is walking through the show and all the Haitians gather around and, and they're all excited when he walks up. So how many, how many people do we have here from, from Haiti? We are uh, six different manufacturers uh, Clifford, Richard, myself, 
So here's why Ron Kirk is so important. You know, the only reason Haiti has any textile business right now is because the U.S. is giving Haiti a very special deal. They basically said to all the big companies, the Gaps and the Hanes of the world, that if you want to make your t-shirts in Haiti instead of China or Bangladesh, you can send them from Haiti to the U.S. without paying any import taxes, which basically ends up meaning that clothes from Haiti have a 30% discount. And a lot of things about this trade deal are really good for Haiti, but Haiti wants more. I mean, one thing is the deal expires in a few years, and Haiti wants it extended many, many decades into the future. And it's limited. There's a quota. Haiti can only export so much duty-free, and they want to get that quota lifted. And these Haitian apparel guys seem to truly believe the only way Haiti's economy is going to grow from being the poorest in the Western Hemisphere is for Ron Kirk to get them the trade deal they want. <laughs> but they don't say any of that when Ron no. Kirk walks <laughs> no. up to their booth at the show. You know, they just tell him how hard they've been working and how much they really, really want to grow. Okay. We'll do it. So it turns out Haiti is only one small part of Ron Kirk's very busy schedule. He moves on to other booths, other countries' pavilions, and it just becomes clear walking through this show that there are just huge regions of this planet where economic growth is completely dependent on special U.S. trade deals, which means this show is filled with people like Gina Coles and the other Haitians who are so excited and nervous to meet Ron Kirk. How are you, sir? John, I'm doing fine. How are you? Very well, thank you. Now you're in Ghana? I'm from no. the West African Trade Hub. So oh, yes. Ghana, Cameroon. Now, we have a great program through U.S. Trade with the West African Trade yeah. Hub. If it wasn't for these special U.S. trade deals, there would be a lot fewer countries at this show and a lot fewer countries involved in the U.S. apparel and textile business. Because without trade preferences, pretty much all U.S. imports would come from China, Bangladesh, maybe a handful of other Asian countries. They're just cheaper and faster at making clothes. And U.S. trade deals are designed specifically for those countries that cannot compete on their own. Apparel and textile is really important to poor countries because it's generally the first step an underdeveloped agrarian economy takes when it's moving towards becoming or hoping to become a richer industrialized nation. And, you know, that happened in England and the U.S. centuries ago. It happened more recently in China. Right. And Haiti, you know, wants trade preferences to help it become the next example of a poor country that can become richer through textiles. Now, unfortunately for Haiti, so does Cameroon. Honduras, Peru, Pakistan, and Ron Kirk's next stop, Egypt. I know this. I know this guy. Excellent. Huh? Thank you very much this for coming. How are you been? And now I'm going. Yeah. And what next month? Where to? To to Cairo. Uh, to, to Cairo. Is that right? I'm going. So Adam, um, every U.S. trade deal has its own story, or it's more like like we in the U.S. have a story about the trade deal. You know, the reason that it happened. Haiti's trade deal to us is the story is you know bringing stability and growth to our very poor neighbor. And Haiti is hoping that recovering from the earthquake will now become a big part of that story. Because this is how it works. Countries grab whatever advantage they can. Pakistan got a sweet textile deal right after 9-11 in exchange for helping us with the war on terror. And in Africa, the way Presidents Clinton and George W. Bush proved that they were no longer going to neglect Africa was to give them a trade deal. And Egypt basically got theirs because the U.S. wanted Arab countries to get along with Israel. President Clinton wanted to make peace between Israel and Arab nations, so he thought of this uh, genius protocol 
to a genius. Genius. I call it genius because I'm going to tell you why later. Uh, he wants to make peace and he wanted to make trade between Israel and 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 the Egyptian and the the Jordanian businessmen. By by the economic tradings and transactions, it makes things closer and better in terms of dealing. Why it's a genius protocol? Because without the QIZ, Egypt now would have lost its share in the world textiles and ready-made garments industry. Why? Because China is a big, 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 big giant. Uh, Vietnam, uh, Bangladesh are offering very, very unbeatable prices. So Egypt now is duty-free to the U.S. if we have a component of Israeli item. So this gives us um, an advantage compared to the other big, 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 big players. So, Hannah, I have to admit that spending all this time with Ron Kirk at all these other countries' booths, I felt like a bit of a traitor to our friends at Haiti. So, <laughs> He's so loyal. Well, you know, we've spent a lot of time with them. So I went back to Gina Coles at the Haiti booth, who is still standing there and saying, nobody's come by since Ron Kirk left. Nobody's asked about buying Haitian goods or helping to rebuild Haiti. She's bored. So we decided to walk around the show and look at what other folks are doing. Yeah, I mean, you walk around a show like this and you see all these amazing displays and everybody's free stuff. And, and this this is a problem for Gina and for all the Haitian manufacturers because their apparel and textile business is still very limited. Like they can they can cut T-shirt fabric and they can sew it together. And they can make simple shorts. They can make a lot of medical scrubs. And this show, what gets attention is the new, the high-tech, the latest advance in textile and apparel manufacturing. And even the other poor countries are way out ahead of Haiti. Like I had a long talk with this Egyptian guy who's from the southern poor, poorest region of Egypt, and he's showing off this new process that he invented for super soft poly cotton blends. The Bangladeshis yeah. have a whole thing of how good they are at making sweaters. And no company in Haiti is set up to make sweaters or to make super soft poly cotton blends. So to Gina walking around the show, a lot of the stuff on display is a dream, something she hopes one day Haitian companies will be able to make. Over there, shoes. Did you make this? Not in the current place. Because for me, it all seems just like clothes. I don't understand. Like, could you make these shirts? These are like Hawaii luau shirts? Yeah, but you see, these are different. It's a completely different construction. So we could, but it would probably mean an investment in new equipment just because of how it, it, these are constructed. And these are hats. You can't do hats. No, we don't do hats. <laughs> there are Haitians who can probably do these straw hats, but... Not these. Not the felt ones. Mm -mm. Not the felt ones. Not that I know of, anyway. But it strikes me that we've seen a lot, and there's not really anything yet for Haiti that we've seen. Well, for example, we could make these without a problem. These pants? These are like khaki pants? These are khaki pants. These are not a problem for Haiti. And the great thing about these is that they can be sewn and imported duty-free. So, Hannah, Gina's shy. I'm not. (laughs) No, you're not. (laughs) So, I introduce her to the two guys who run the booth where she sees the khaki pants, Tony Petricelli and Steve Bachman with TKO Evolution. That's a company, it's like a middleman where... 
big brands like Calvin Klein, Perry Ellis, the Boy Scouts, hire these guys to find factories in Asia or Latin America or Africa to create the garments that will bear their labels. Find people like Gina to have them make their clothes. Exactly. So for Gina, this would be a big, big get to get these guys to hire her to make garments for their customers. And so I introduce them, and, and I do want to have people notice just how many times Gina uses the phrase duty-free. <laughs> this is Gina. She's a, uh, uh, she's a manufacturer from Haiti, and, um, and we're, Haiti is working hard to try and get more jobs because of sure. the... Yeah. And so I wanted to force her to talk to you about uh, your, your sourcing procedures. this, or About sourcing, <laughs> about making goods there? Yes. Yes, yes. Um, what, what type of goods do you? I, I don't well, even know. Well, hate. That's what we were just doing. We were going around looking, and, and we're able to tell him so that I was able to tell him what we can easily start making right now because there's okay. these types of items in current production. And your bottoms over there are some of the things uh, that are similar to what we're currently producing. And the great thing about that is that those fall under the categories that are able to ship back into the U.S. duty free. So. Um, you may be interested in speaking with us. And you, you have good wash facilities because a lot of what we do is enzyme, silicone, softener washes on unique fabrics that have different textures. The washing, we, right now we're currently doing more simple washes, not yet enzyme washes, uh, but it is something that we're working on getting installed quickly. Um, we will send it to Dominican, do the washing, and it can still ship from the Dominican duty-free. Where do you get your fabrics from? We get our fabrics from China, Pakistan. Mm-hmm. Well, that coupled with the lead times from shipping from Haiti has got to be a lot quicker than we do from Bangladesh. Yes, obviously from Haiti. It's a two-day sale time. It's no problem. Exactly. And, and, uh, How many factories are there? Oh, many. I'd say 30. Who do you produce for now in the States? Anybody we know? Uh, well, we're developing for Sears. We're producing for Foot Locker. Uh, some of the other the factories that we're speaking of is Fishman and Tobin, uh, Walmart, Gap, lots of Haynes, Gap. Um, now, being that's Haiti, with all what happened with the earthquake, has it yes. affected the factories? It, it minimally, actually. There's there's very few factories that were destroyed in the earthquake. So we are the first industries to be back up and go and moving and and getting back to work, which is key for us, which is why we're here. We're here to really tell people that we're there, we're working, we're back in business. And, and uh, I'm going to give your information to our head of uh, COO okay. and also the head of our production, okay. and we'll have some dialogue. We'll see. Maybe it's, uh, you know, it sounds intriguing. Mm-hmm. You never know. That would be great. Absolutely. So you guys didn't know Haiti was an option? No. No. Really didn't. Very familiar with the D- Dominican Republic. Right, the DR. Not, not Haiti. Guatemala, we do out of, um, you know, when, when it comes to non-duty, we deal a lot of out of, out of Egypt. And even now, we're looking at Swazi, which is Africa. Oh, I'm glad you stopped by. Good luck. Nice meeting yeah. you. Enjoy things, the show. Things get better and better for you folks. We think it will. We're here Good. to make it happen. <laughs> so the big moment of the day, at least the big moment for the very few Haitians who are there, the thing everyone was talking about in Port-au-Prince and the whole reason I came to the magic show was a big announcement. The U.S. Trade Representative is going to ask all apparel and textile companies, all the people here, to buy at least 1% of their stuff from Haiti. What we're asking is for U.S. brands and retailers to work work towards sourcing 1% of their total production from Haiti. Now, 1% may not seem like a big deal. So Ron Kirk is a government official 
big, powerful guy in the president's administration, but he's not using the force of law or administrative regulation or anything like that. He's basically, this is a bully pulpit job. He's standing up and saying, come on, guys, please, let's work together here. Let's try and help Haiti out. Let's try and get together and buy at least 1% of our stuff from them. And he has on stage with him some industry folks, a guy from The Gap, a guy from Haynes. But those guys and no one else is making binding commitments. They're just saying, yes, we're going to try. We're going to get more from Haiti. No one's making a commitment to buying 1% of their stuff. And frankly, what becomes clearer and clearer in this press conference is, is nobody actually expects that the U.S. apparel and textile industry is truly going to source 1% of its goods in Haiti. Right. Well, I mean, actually... it. Right now, that couldn't happen. Like, for Haiti to provide 1% of the U.S. apparel and textiles market, the industry in Haiti would have to grow, like, 4,000%. So really, the hope, I mean, I think the hope at a conference like this is just that we're going to harness all of this attention and we will get a little bit of the way there. So the press conference is all about getting excitement about Haiti, getting press attention about Haiti, getting people to think about Haiti. And, you know, I'm certainly in the press. I got all excited. I flew across the country to hear it. And I walk in and there's not really a lot of reporters there. First thing I see is all our Haitian friends, all the Haitian apparel people. Probably the single biggest contingent is a bunch of paid consultants and advisors to the Haitian apparel industry, American folks, and a few of the big brands. And one row was just a group of Bangladeshi guys who I'm pretty sure were just there to try and grab Ron Kirk as he was walking out the door. (laughs) And remember, this is a press conference. So after his statement, he opens the floor to the press and stands there expectantly. And there's one question from one reporter, me. I'm... You know, I think everyone's thrilled to hear the commitment, but but I didn't hear anyone saying, yes, 1%. We're going to source 1%. Well, I think you've heard a number of the companies that are represented here today. Uh, um, and, it's and hard to hear. He says, we're working on it. We're going to try and make this happen. So uh, after the press conference, I go back to Gina at the end of the day. Now we've walked around. You've gotten two business cards, two people saying they'll, they're interested. They'll speak to sourcing or, or are interested in speaking, yes. And one guy said... We'd love to, but you're not for us. Right. <laughs> it's dead here, huh? Yeah. Yes, it is. There's I mean, you've had, much. as far as I can tell, you've had one guy come by who wanted to see if you could sell him counterfeit goods. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. He wouldn't let me record him, but he seemed like... Um, Unfortunately, yeah, we didn't have stock of it. No, <laughs> <laughs> no counterfeit goods. Huh? No, we didn't have, we don't With carry... <laughs> stock of counterfeit goods so we couldn't service that account so is that how are you feeling right now encouraged definitely i think that you know it's it's obviously a a different way it shows us that we do have to be more aggressive and out there and kind of in 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 their face and and work harder at at selling what we can offer some of us will have to come up here walk around and be in their face as well. I think it's going to have we're, we're going to have to I guess change how we work. Well, the magic show's now over, and everyone in the Haitian apparel industry is looking at what may be the biggest thing to happen to Haiti's economy in a generation. Congress is right now debating whether or not to give the Haitians those better trade preferences, that more attractive trade deal. The Haitians say if that happens, they'll be able to convince a whole bunch of investors from all over the world to build factories, hire people. It's 
really high stakes for them. And we're going to find out in the next week or so, at least according to the rumors, what Congress is going to do. That's actually what I'm spending all of next week working on and thinking about. Okay, so we will certainly stay on top of this. But I think, Adam, that does it for us for now. Um, On our blog, you will find more about Haitian economic plans. And you will find Jacob Goldstein, our new blogger, who we're all very excited about. And he has been following many things this week, including all of the healthcare news. Um, he's got a post that explains one of those healthcare items that you see in the news all the time, including this week, that never quite makes sense why Congress is always rushing at the last minute to prevent Medicare payment cuts to doctors. You will read it, you will understand. It's at npr.org slash money. And you can also send us emails to planetmoney at npr.org. I want to thank Caitlin Kenny, our producer, who today even more so than usual, but she's always incredibly helpful and there would be no Planet Money without her. She's awesome. I'm Adam Davidson. And I'm Clan and Joffrey Walt. Thanks for listening. Tell you what I've heard. The wheels are falling off. The wheels are falling off the road.